Hello there, I'm Gaia. And I'm Connell. And this is the Monochrome Picture Show. We met during the pandemic, when we were both studying cinema in the Netherlands. Now, three years later, I'm doing my PhD in cinema, and Connell is writing fiction and film criticism for Fanfare and Frame Rated. We figured we talk about movies all the time anyway, so why not share it with others? Join us each week as we talk about one movie per episode. As Connell publishes his reviews and essays, we dive into each of them in an interview format. If you like what we do and would like to check out more of our work, older episodes and reviews, go to themonochromepictureshow.com or find us on Instagram at themonopic. If you haven't seen the movies yet, beware, each episode contains spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Monochrome Picture Show. I'm here with my associate, Connor Hockmanis. How are you doing? <laughs> and today we're talking about Argyle by Ma- Matthew Vaughn. Matthew Vaughn. Matthew Vaughn. Mm. Okay, before we continue, we give you a summary, just like every other time. Reclusive author Ellie Conway writes best-selling espionage novels about a secret agent named Argyle, who's on a mission to unravel a global spy syndicate. However, When the plots of her books start to mirror the covert actions of a real-life spy organization, the line between fiction and reality begins to blur. This time it'll be a bit different than the episodes before, simply because it's the first time that you watched the movie and I didn't. Yeah, it's true. The questions that I will be asking are also for my personal curiosity, because I've only watched the trailer so far. Mm -hmm. And actually, let's begin with the trailer, because I know that when you go and review a movie you normally don't read about it or watch the trailer before doing that yeah no i try to avoid that kind of thing so but did you watch the trailer this time you know i don't think i watched the trailer but i do oh well actually no i probably did because it was showing on the cinema so mm-hmm. i probably saw the trailer in the mm-hmm. cinema okay but besides that there were there was so much promotion work for this film that it was pretty much impossible to avoid any um, look at the trailer or any look at the film mm-hmm. because it was just ubiquitous across media it was everywhere mm-hmm. I'm asking this because the trailer was quite good yeah you know and I know <laughs> when you can find Connell's review on frame rated and I'll as usual put the link uh, in the description of the episode but if you read the review you'll see that Connell didn't really love Argyle <laughs> no I didn't love it definitely but no. I didn't think it was horrible either mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people are really, really uh, quite critical of it, which I suppose is a bit unfair because it's not supposed to be serious, but it's not really good either. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not a serious film, it's not very good. Yeah. But it's not it's not terrible. I understand. But uh, at the same time, I am aware of the fact that you didn't like it, and fairly so, because you bring some really, really fair points in your mm, okay. review. But okay, how does the trailer compare to the real deal? Like, Well, the trailer does make it look exciting. Yeah. So they did a good job making the trailer. But it's one of those instances where the trailer is much more exciting 
and entertaining than the film itself. Mm-hmm. Which is something that happens quite a lot these days, I reckon. It does, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember when we were really tricked into going to see The Northman, which yeah. by, by Robert Eggers, which we didn't like so much. Mm-hmm. But the trailer looked super exciting, <laughs> and then it was actually quite a slow, um, meandering film. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of the same here, actually, with Argyle, because... The plot of the film, I mean, it's two and a half hours long, mm. and it probably could have been 90 minutes. So there's a lot in the plot that could have been shaved off, I think, or just done without. There was an awful lot of sequences that could have been shorter, mm. but it felt like they were prolonged. Yeah, there was a, a whole lot there that didn't work. Mm, a lot of filler. Yeah, a lot mm. of filler. That's a good way of putting it. Okay. That's one thing that I was thinking when I watched the trailer. I thought that the colors looked really appealing. Yeah. And the pacing of the film as well. But with trailers, that can be very misleading mm. because the pacing of the trailer doesn't necessarily agree with the pace of the actual film. Yeah, that's you know? that's really a way of putting it. Because mm. the pace of the trailer is really hectic mm. and fast. But the film itself was not slow, but it never kind of got into a gear that you were satisfied with because mm-hmm. you felt like it should be moving a bit more quickly and the color palette i suppose it is engaging immediately because it's very very colorful and bright and vibrant Mm -hmm. but it's a bit meretricious because there's not really any substance behind or or beneath any of Mm -hmm. the the visuals yeah seems to borrow quite heavily from better spy films i think both serious spy films and comedies as well mm. and in fairness that specific color palette i've already seen in knives out i've already seen mm. in glass onion i've already seen in the one that i never remember the name of uh the one we watched as well at the cinema uh, about agatha christie's book oh see how they run yeah yeah same color palette again palette rather again so it's something that is also a bit of a trend aesthetically mm. it okay. doesn't necessarily reflect the value of the movie. Yeah, Mm-mm. that's true. Because Absolutely. See How They Run wasn't that great. Knives Out was. And yes. Glass Onion, less so. Less so. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it was a valid point, actually. Yeah. And, okay, so we tell you at the beginning of each episode that they do contain spoilers. So if you haven't watched it yet, as it's still mm-hmm. showing at the cinema, this episode as well will contain spoilers. Yeah. The premise of the film is... That an introverted spy novelist, Ellie Conway, is chased by the Division, which mm-hmm. is the antagonist, <laughs> because her books somehow seem to predict the future of this organization. Yeah. So an actual spy, Aidan Wilde, which is uh, played by um, uh, oh, Sam, Sam Rockwell, Rockwell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. saves her from an ambush and takes her to England in the hope that her next chapter will reveal how to stop the division. So, for someone who hasn't seen it, the premise is quite interesting. It's intriguing. As I was watching the the trailer, I thought that it reminded me of another movie which reflects a bit of a trend that came out in recent years, Mm -hmm. which is the trend of 40-plus women who work in the field of literature, or anyway, are working as writers, that are faced with huge danger and often crime. Mm. Like The Lost City with uh, the Lost City, which we also hated and which also has a similar color palette, by the way. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So what do you think the film industry is doing there? I don't know. I suppose it comes back to the evergreen story of A Fish Out of Water, Mm -hmm. which, you know, always 
presents opportunities for comedy Mm. Uh, as well as thrills because mm. they find themselves in situations that they're very unfamiliar with so for them the stakes are really high mm. and there's constant peril that they have to face but hold on for people who are not familiar with the term mm-hmm. what do what are you referring to with the fish out of water well it's any character that finds themselves very suddenly thrust into an unfamiliar environment in which they it. have to thrive mm-hmm. immediately mm-hmm. So, I mean, you've got some great classic examples of this. Probably one of my favorite is My Cousin Vinny. When oh, so, yeah, okay. totally different uh, style of film, but mm-hmm. uh, New York lawyer who isn't really a lawyer. He's a lawyer. Well, he hasn't done a case yet. But and, he's uh, a lawyer. <laughs> sent to the south. <laughs> then there's also, I mean, School of Rock. Oh. I mean, The Little Mermaid, a very obvious example of a fish out of water. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Hot Fuzz, In the mm. Heat of the Night, Midnight Cowboy, Beverly Hills Cop, Back to the Future. Uh, oh, Some Like It Hot, probably my favourite actually as well. All right. Um, so there's lots of good examples of these fish out of water. I mean, it's a, it's a really prominent theme across mm-hmm. cinema because it's just, you can always make a good story out of it because, mm-hmm. you know, you're faced with an environment that's strange and new so it forces the character to learn something about themselves and actually if we want to have a look at a good fish out of water story that's also an espionage flick Mm -hmm. then you can look at spy which came out in 2015 with melissa mccarthy and jason statham and jude law Mm. very funny film um she's not a writer as you were talking about but uh She's, you know, entering into the world of espionage as a field agent for the first time. So if you want a better version of Argyle, Mm -hmm. then you should watch Spy, because that was really funny. Mm, Okay. Later on, we will talk a little bit more about other recommendations. Mm. For now, I was reading, before the episode, I was reading that they had a budget of 200 million. Yeah. So they had a great cast, because there's people like Sam Rockwell, Mm-hmm. Sam Jackson, Brian Cranston, uh, Bryce, um, the protagonist. Bryce Dallas Howard. That one from Jurassic World, but also The Help. The Help, yeah. She's actually She's great. She's an excellent actress. Yeah. So the cast was perfect. There's mm-hmm. also Dua Lipa for some reason and yeah. John Cena. Um, Who are in the film for about two minutes, yeah. less than that even. Mm-hmm. So, but in theory, they are there. Just, yeah, because they're on every poster and feature prominently in the trailer. Yes, so they had the budget, they had the a, a great established director, they mm-hmm. had a good cast. What went wrong? Ultimately, it's the script, and that's, mm. you know, that's something that I really talk about in my review, mm. because, you know, Matthew Vaughn is a good director, mm-hmm. and he's proven that he can handle big budget productions mm-hmm. in the past. I mean, he did X-Men First Class, which mm. pretty much revitalized mm-hmm. that franchise. He did Kingsman, which was incredible. And, you know, perhaps even the funnest spy flick um, of the 2010s. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, if, if you know, it was more fun than the Mission Impossible films that came out around the same yeah. time. Less serious. But, uh, you know, it, it knew how to have fun and... it engage the audience playfully mm-hmm. whereas Argyle doesn't as much it doesn't seem as tongue-in-cheek and I think it's partly because the script isn't as clever so I think that's probably the main reason why the film fails mm. who wrote the script Jason Fuchs 
Mm. A bit of an unfortunate name, but uh, that's the guy who wrote it. And he's written other things as well, actually. Well, nothing on this level, actually. I mean, I think he wrote the fourth Ice Age film. Mm. I think he contributed to the story of Wonder Woman mm. and also wrote Pan, which came out in 2015. Okay. But I don't know if any of these were well-received, which makes me intrigued as to why he was given... You know, why the project was greenlit and Mm -hmm. it was given such a monumental budget. Mm. Yeah. Perhaps because of the director. Perhaps, yeah. You know, Matthew Vaughn probably took a liking to the script. And, you know, he it's kind of... This film has been incorporated into the Kingsman universe now. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. And so his last four films have all been in that universe with Kingsman and then the sequel, The Golden Circle. Mm -hmm. And then he did a prequel Mm. in 2021. And now Argyle... It seems like it's a spin-off. Yeah, but which will lead to its own franchise, obviously. Probably, yeah. or if not that, it will. You know, they'll be, become incorporated into the Kingsman universe even more, and mm. yeah. So perhaps that's the reason why. But I think the principal issue with the script was that Jason wrote it about the wrong characters, mm. and you know, it becomes really prominent as soon as the title sequence ends because you've got a really engaging beginning mm-hmm. where you have uh, Henry Cavill playing a spy character like he's done many times now yeah. um, and particularly in The Man From U.N.C.L.E. and he's trying to seduce Dua Lipa and then she reveals that she's onto him and uh, it, it, but it's you know great cheesy spy schlock you know mm. it, it's gonna be fun I love it and there's a chase and then there's John Cena oh he grabs her exactly he oh, grabs her off the motorbike yeah. so it's all incredibly fun mm. right off the bat and I was thinking it was gonna be a great film and yeah. then immediately it cuts back to a really bland insipid version of reality mm. where we're with Ellie Conway played by Bryce Dallas Howard mm. who's struggling writing her novel and it's you think you've totally lost momentum and there's a, a massive tonal shift that results in a really disappointed viewer I think because oh. and then it doesn't necessarily kick back up into that gear again mm-hmm. it just continues and meanders for about two and a half hours there are fun there's fun along the way and there are some gags that are uh, performed by Sam Rockwell that I think are quite funny mm-hmm. but overall it just never reaches the same heights as it did in the very opening, which was incredibly engaging. Okay, I understand what you mean. I think I would like it. Yeah. But, uh, because, I mean, it's relatable. As, mm-hmm. it, as you said, fish out of water, it's a pretty much an evergreen way to get people to empathize with your story because we could all be thrown in a situation where we don't know mm-hmm. what's happening and yeah. stuff like that. So I think perhaps I would enjoy it, but... Another thing that made me think so is the cat in the suitcase or what's going on there. You um, yeah. Before we recorded, you mentioned that it's uh, done with uh, CGI. Yeah. Tell me, because... Not you know great what? CGI either. Okay, yeah. I, I couldn't tell by the trailer. No, it's, it's really not great. Okay, well, I, I could tell that it wasn't the actual cat, but uh, I, I thought it looked quite believable. Cats in movies are always a bonus anyway. So yeah. just for the sake of it, some other movies where there are great, remarkable cats. <laughs> well, probably the one that first springs to mind is um, Jonesy yeah. in Alien. I knew you were going to say yeah. Jonesy. No, he's just, he's incredible. Mm-hmm. I love that cat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, can you think of anything better than that? No. 
Not immediately, I anyway. I just can't. No, no, anyway. Maybe, maybe we'll do an episode on... Might have to. Cats in movies. Anyway. I'm definitely going to think about ten as soon as the episode's over and think, mm. damn, I should have said that. <laughs> but it's okay, we can always say it another time. Mm-hmm. So, the character of uh, Aiden Wilde performed, like, played by uh, Sam, Sam Rockwell. Rockwell. It's pretty clear to me that it fails to enrich the world of spies. Yeah. Why is he so forgettable? Even though Sam Rockwell is a wonderful actor. Yeah, I really like Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell, actually. He's mm. um, he's terrific. And he's often very funny mm-hmm. in a subtle way. Mm. I think perhaps part of it was that the script isn't very subtle. Ah. It's not, but it's not tongue-in-cheek either. It, it seems to be exaggerated and overdone. And so it leads to Rockwell overdoing certain sequences that just really aren't funny. Or they mm. seem forced. Mm. Um, there's a sequence where he's pretending to dance um, because he's bored with Bryce Dallas Howard's character. So he's dancing and then he comes across you know, a secret stowaway of information. And it seems really overdone. And he's also talking about how to crush a skull and it, it, it yeah no, no it, but there's there's a couple of sequences that just really aren't very funny and okay uh he forces them because obviously it's in the script mm-hmm. and he tries to make it work mm. and it just doesn't and it feels a bit painful i understand a lot of people enjoy it though so mm. i should say that i mean i've been criticized um for talking about films that are really just supposed to be fun entertainment a bit more critically like uh, yeah. the beekeeper and uh, this one as well. This one as well. My review. Some people have commented that. Oh yeah. I'm too harsh. And, yeah. Okay. Well, how do you feel about that? Well, I mean, I I really enjoy a, a fun, entertaining film that doesn't necessarily try to be serious. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying earlier, Spy mm-hmm. is really really funny, mm-hmm. but it never attempts to be anything serious. This film, I just don't think it really ever reaches a moment where it's gonna become something that's entertaining it's just it's just it just kind of doesn't get there mm-hmm. yeah no i understand i just meant the feedback that you received about being perhaps uh, that about diving into this kind of <laughs> movies with a more critical mind can't help it me but more than anything like even if you love the movie yeah. for what it is, a review has to contain a bit of critical... Yeah, uh, a bit objective. Yeah, also because like that you bring into the world a more complete overview of something, saying, oh, I loved it, it was great. Okay, yeah. that's <laughs> not nice, but <laughs> it doesn't really help me. Yeah. Make it's my more own. the why. Yeah. Why was it good? Why was it bad? Mm-mm-mm. I read your review. I don't think it's too critical. You mm. are a very uh, thorough writer so you take into account many different points of view in regards to a specific movie but mm-hmm. that's what a you know a film critic should do anyway back to it the script seems to be challenging for many other members of the cast and in your mm. review you mentioned uh, the performance of brian cranston yeah he stood out in particular because he's just an incredible actor mm. you know his turn in breaking bad is one of my all-time favorite performances Particularly because he manages to oscillate between menacing and deeply human. Mm-hmm. But here he's just really one-note generic villain. Oh. And it's a shame, really, because he also has tremendous comedic chops. Oh, he's wonderful. So he could have made the villain a bit quirky or mm-hmm. a bit 
strange and weird mm-hmm. but he doesn't it's just really one note he shouts for the entirety of the film he's constantly angry oh. but he never comes across as intimidating oh. it's he's just very badly written so i think it's another example of a good actor who's struggling with the script that's a pity actually and this makes me think of uh, how they use exactly as you said a more quirky element mm. in uh, kingsman yeah as they were made by the same director yeah how do they compare to each other? Because Kingsman is one of the quirkiest spy franchises. Yeah. Well, at least the first film was. I think they mm. then immediately started to fall off the hill. Yeah, but with sequels, that's often the case. I it would is. say, as a franchise, is overall great. Like, anyway, very, very good. Anyway. Mm. Yeah. I, I only really enjoyed the first one. Mm. Um, but <laughs> Maybe you're a very critical writer. <laughs> <laughs> But okay, but tell me a little bit about how Argyle compares to Kingsman, or the Kingsman franchise, or the first King- Kingsman chapter movie, however you want to call it. Oh, also because Kingsman had literally half of the budget. Yeah, mm. that's that's true. I think ultimately the protagonist is more interesting in Kingsman. You know, he's kind of got a point to prove. Mm. He's got an interesting backstory, though it doesn't distract from the fun of mm-hmm, the film. Mm-hmm. So Bryce Dallas Howard's Ellie Conway isn't really interesting. It's it's a pity because she's relying on the script as well. And the script doesn't have any backstory for her because her backstory is quite vague. And actually you can see how the film draws on spy films like The Born Identity, mm. where a character is trying to work out who they are. Mm. But it's introduced as a plotline very late into the film. Okay. So, you know, for the first hour and a half of the film, you're kind of waiting for her to become a more complete three-dimensional character. Mm. And then when it happens, it feels very convoluted and forced. Mm. Well, I suppose we've been waiting for female characters to become three-dimensional for a long time now in blockbusters, so that's not really an exception to the rule, is it? There are, of course, some examples of uh, more three-dimensional female characters, but in my opinion, often blockbusters or anyway, very commercial movies fail to give a three-dimensional character Mm. development, but also in in male's character, you know? I think blockbusters in general struggle to develop characters because it gets in the way of action. Yes, by the sound of it, nobody in the cast was really given the chance to get a proper character development, regardless of uh, gender and stuff like that. By no, the sound of it, anyway. No, not really. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, and on this topic, actually not exactly on this topic, but on the topic of spy movies, mm-hmm. as this can be considered as a, I don't know, average or below average? Yeah, maybe spy, subpar. Subpar, there you go, spy movie. What are some other bad spy movies? And more than anything, is there any common trait that we can find in all of them? Off the top of my head, I can't think of many bad spy films. I mean, there, you know, the, some of the Pierce Brosnan Bond films were mm. a bit atrocious, but <laughs> they became increasingly camp and cheesy. I think maybe if that's if we're talking about bad traits, not being able to balance tone mm. can be quite problematic for a spy film. So. If it doesn't, if it can't decide whether or not it's very serious or a bit camp mm-hmm. or cheesy, then it becomes a bit convoluted. Mm. So, for example, the likes of Spy is perfect because it knows it's not trying to be serious; it's just trying to be funny, yeah. and it is. 
It's got a really funny script. And then Casino Royale on the other end of the spectrum from 2006, I think, with Daniel Craig. It's the exact opposite. It's very, very serious, a bit grim even. Mm. And I think if we're talking about a spy franchise that balances that tone very well, it'd be Mission Impossible, Mm. which particularly the later installments um, like um, Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation and Fallout, they all balance this comedy and thrills really well making and it's got good characters as well so I think that'd be a good example of a film where tone is done quite well I think I saw Red Sparrow when it first came out with Jennifer Lawrence and that wasn't great I didn't think because it didn't really balance that well and it relied a lot on genre tropes that I thought were a bit trite Mm, okay so if we had to pick a common trait, it would be the tone inconsistency. I think so. It, mm. it definitely creates quite a muddled work if it isn't worked out beforehand. Mm-hmm. And given the fact that this type of movies are becoming more and more prevalent and mm-hmm. they all belong to the spy or anyway adventure genre, do you think that this is going through a transformation? It could be. I don't know. I mean, it ultimately always comes down to the script and how good the script is. Mm-hmm. The direction, obviously, is paramount as well. Mm. But you really need to have that um, collaboration really tightly knit in order to ensure quality, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Okay, as you mentioned the matter of quality, what are some great spy movies that people can go and watch, even if they did like Argyle, just Mm. to get a bit of a comparison? Okay. Mm. Well, I suppose we already mentioned some like Kingsman Mm -hmm. and Spy, Mm -hmm. the, the first Kingsman. If you liked Argyle, you should go and watch these because I think they're really entertaining. Mm. If you want to watch some great classic spy films, I'd also recommend watching Charade, which came out in 1963. Mm. Wasn't directed by Alfred Hitchcock, but really feels like it was. Mm. Um, You could also watch North by Northwest, which I think is maybe even the best spy film ever made. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's directed by Hitchcock. And actually, there are a couple of other... Hitchcock films that would be great if you liked this film, like uh, The Lady Vanishes or uh, The 39 Steps. Mm. They're, I mean, in the last two are in black and white, so you're not going to get the same range of colour that of you course. got in uh, Argyle. But I think the stories are really, really well written. The characters are engaging and fun and witty, and the direction is incredible in all of them, which... Um, pulls it all together exceptionally. If you like, if you like uh, if you, a good spy film, then you should check those out. I'll write them all in the description of the episode. And this concludes our conversation on Argyle. Mm. Lovely. Join us for next week's episode when we will be talking about House on Haunted Hill, which mm. we watched recently. Yeah. Oh, great! A movie. classic film you can find on YouTube mm-hmm. actually because it's in the public domain now. Mm. So if you want to get ready for it, you can watch it first. (laughs) House on Haunted Hill came out in 1959. Mm -mm -mm. So we'll publish that next week. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting our work. Check out our website, our Instagram page. I leave everything in the description anyway. But uh, most of all, thank you so much for caring about what we have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so until next time, thank you very much and goodbye. Bye.